0: So today we are going to be talking about emotional eating. So if you've tried everything to get your cravings under control, if you've managed your blood sugar, if you're taking supplements like berberine, avocetol, um, and if you're eating a clean diet, and you're still struggling with binge eating, compulsive overeating, um, if you're really trying, if you're really struggling with those sugar cravings. Uh, and having a hard time getting your eating under control, you are in the right place because today we are talking to Trisha Nelson and she is the author of the book Heal Your Hunger, which I read over the weekend and was just blown away. It's such an amazing resource. But Tricia, I want to welcome you to the program and then I want to tell everybody a little bit about you.
1: Perfect. Thanks so much for having me here, Amy. It's really such an honor. I love your work and all the amazing service
0: you provide in the world. So I think I met you back in 2014. So I've known you and I've been um, aware of the work that you do. But we finally had the chance to schedule a podcast. And I just sat down with your book and I was really blown away. And so excited to introduce you to my community and to to um, you know, get right into this podcast, but let me just tell people a little bit about you, um, and you're going to talk more about your story in a minute, but you, Trisha, Trisha Nelson lost 50 pounds by identifying and healing the underlying causes of her emotional eating. Trisha has spent nearly 30 years researching the hidden causes of addictive personality. Trisha is an emotional eating expert and the author of the book, as I mentioned, Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now, and she also has a fantastic podcast called The Heal Your Hunger Show. So, Trisha, let's, you know, jump right into your story. Um, It's very compelling. It's the first chapter of your book. Um, You know, would love to hear what brought you to this place as being um, a, a coach and helping people with emotional eating.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, it started way back when. (laughs) So I was, I mean, literally, Amy, I think back as far as my memory will serve, and I was obsessed with food from the beginning. I mean, food was just such a highlight for me. It was my escape. It was my reward. It was like, nothing brought me more excitement than, you know, if my family was going out to dinner, you know, I'd get all excited about, you know, what I was going to get to eat. And, Um, and I just, I was an eater, you know, and I'd come home from school every day, and and pick out on popcorn, and you know, all kinds of carby, sugary things, and you know, I I didn't think a whole lot about it, but I did start to gain weight, and so I was a chubby kid, especially in adolescence, um, and then it just got worse from there, and by age 21, I was 50 pounds overweight, and Um, You know, I tried so many different things, diets and, you know, exercise programs and pills and potions and lotions and therapy. I mean, I even was doing more psychological things like therapy and 12-step programs and nothing I tried worked for any length of time. Like I'd get control for a little while, but then I'd bust out, you know, and start binging again. And I was a binger for sure. Like I love to get all my goodies and, you know, get them together and, and binge. And, and uh, of course I didn't intend on that. Like we lie to ourselves, like, Oh, I'm just getting a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but I just always go overboard. So it was really distressing for me. And the, you know, my weight was, I mean, eating's fine. I didn't mind the eating. It was the weight part that just drove me nuts, you know? And I just, I had a roll on my tummy. I would scrunch up, and i try to, you know, imagine cutting it off, or some crazy thoughts I would have. I thought about getting some disease where I automatically would lose weight, or joining the army where they'd force me to exercise in boot camp, because I hated to exercise. So, you know, when you have this fat in your body, and you don't know, you know, you've tried everything, it doesn't come off, you get desperate. You start having very desperate thoughts, and um, that's what was happening for me. So, um, to fast forward I you know after uh, being on a long long search, I found somebody who finally was able to show me that my problem had nothing to do with food and help me go deeper and really deal with the underlying causes and um, that made all the difference in the world, and then I, we, we began working together to help others for decades, and then more recently, I founded Heal Your Hunger and wrote the book and have a program for helping people overcome emotional eating, and it, I love sharing about this because I'm, because I'm free, and I, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for that, but I really do have a systematic way for people to break free, and it's just been such a pleasure to share that.
0: I think that's what I liked about your, your book the most, that it really is a systematic way of helping people. And I I wish that I had this book in my late teens and early 20s when I was really struggling with a binge eating, compulsive eating. I remember um, feeling like I was such a smart girl. I had control over so many areas of my life but why could I stop, you know, not stop eating Snickers bars? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and and I remember going through so many different books and, like, hiding them in between my mattress because I didn't want my mother to see. Like, I was Mm. reading all the Janine Roth books. Like, I knew it had something to do with loving myself more and, um, you know, being kinder to myself, but I just couldn't put all the pieces together. Um, And... I had so many traits of what you call the anatomy of an emotional eater. So I was wondering if you could kind of go through some of um, those key indicators uh, um, that you are an emotional eater um, or or a person that's more prone to that. Because I think that in the work that I've done with women with PCOS, I see a lot of overlapping traits, and I and I talk about some of that in my book. But it was just kind of this aha moment that you you sort of put it together for me. That I, you know, was really a perfect candidate to be a north. (laughs) you qualify? (laughs) I qualify.
1: (laughs) So um, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I just want to say for people are wondering if they're emotional eater or not, it's it's really a spectrum. Like I believe we're hardwired to have an emotional connection with food. Like it's just, you know, that way we would continue to eat and subsist as, you know, a a planet and and a race. But Um, some people take it too far, so, um, I consider it to be really a spectrum, and on the low end of the spectrum is emotional eating, some, you know, people go overboard now and then, no big deal, they work out a little extra at the gym, or they cut back, you know, cut out sweets or whatever, and on the high end is where I was, and that's food addiction, like, I was really addicted to food and couldn't stop, you know, my binges, and couldn't, like, pull back and, like, course correct very easily, so, um, you know, if anybody's wondering, there is a, you know, there's a, a quiz, I have a quiz on my website where people can actually find out where they are on that spectrum, but I think we're all there somewhere, so. Um, and I if, just
0: want to mention, I'll, I'll post the link to that quiz in the show notes. So oh, good, that'd be perfect. That yeah.
1: Thank you so much, because I really think people should kind of see where they are on that quiz, uh, I mean, on that spectrum, I think that's really important, so thank you for posting that. So, um, basically, uh, you know, in terms of, in terms of what drives emotional eating, I mean, so much of the time, people are looking for that one thing. Like, what was it in my past that made me do what I do? Like, was it, you know, abuse? Was it some terrible thing a teacher said to me, or a boy said to me about my weight, or, you know, we're always looking for that one thing, and wouldn't it be nice if there were that one thing? We'd go to therapy, we'd work on that, and then we'd be free, (laughs) but it doesn't work that way. You know, what happens is, we typically, I mean, I think, you know, emotional eaters do tend to have traumatic things that happen to them as children, but what happens is, not everybody, I mean, I had, I had, overall, I had a good childhood, but I did have sexual abuse in my past, which no question contributed to, you know, my using food as a coping tool, but what happens is we have things that happen, and then we do develop these um, ways of being in the world, these coping uh, mechanisms that save our lives, you know, early on, like they work as survival tools, but then they backfire on us. And this is what becomes what I say, what I call the anatomy of emotional eater is it's a, it's like a composite of personality type or traits um, that, again, these, some of these traits worked so well when we were kids, but they really don't work for us as adults anymore and we don't need them. So I'll give you an example and I'd I'd say it's the number one trait of emotional eaters and probably people of BCSOS, you can better identify that, but it's really being a people pleaser. And this is a big problem. And, you know, why is it a coping skill? Well, as a kid, you know, if we don't have proper self-esteem, we're gonna be looking for self-esteem outside of us, you know, and from being a do-gooder, you know, like what can I do to make people happy with me? What what project can I raise my hand for? You know, what what committee can I chair? You know, what you know, how many desserts can I make for the church function? I mean, it's like, you know, we, we're we're good people, but we we take it too far by trying to just always garner approval and attention from people by our acts you know and that way we get a sense of self-esteem but it's it's from the outside in so it doesn't last we have to keep doing it so it becomes this habit and the reason why that's so perilous for an emotional eater is because it has a dark side and while we're like not only busting our butts and getting exhausted from doing 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 and trying to please 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 but the, the real dark side is that nobody's ever as pleased as we expect them to be. And so then we end up pissed off. (laughs) So we're kind of like, I'm doing all this work and nobody's even noticing. Like, this is not a good deal for me. So we're pissed off. And then we go home and I have what I call the, I deserve it binge. We're like, well, nobody else is recognizing me. I should less recognize me with my ice cream and goodies. Right. So um, that's really the problem with people pleasing is it always backfires and we always end up hurting ourselves over it because we're exhausted and then we're resentful. So that's a, you know, a coping tool that we need to adjust. Like, we can't continue to be people pleasers and overdoers. Overeaters are overdoers. There's no question about it. And we can't live that way and expect to eat differently. And this is why 98% of all diets fail, because people are trying to change their diet, but they're not changing how they're living. But it's our living that creates our eating, you know? And so when we're, you know, stretched out too thin, you know, overeaters, as I said, we're, we're you know, our 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 schedules are packed. Like, we're always doing too much. We're always overcommitting. We don't have any balance in our life, you know. And this has to change. And that's why it's so silly to think our problem is food and weight. Like, no, no, no. That's a symptom. That's that's like the caboose on the train. We have to look at all the other trains ahead of that outcome, because those are things we can do something about. So I'll give you another example of a, one of the unavoidable. There's like 24 traits, so obviously I'm not going to go through all the traits of the yeah, The
0: One that I do want you to talk about yeah. um, is, and one point I was just going to make to the overdoer and the people, I find that the one thing that really helps set up women for success in my programs more than anything else is being able to take have the time to plan and prepare food, because mm-hmm. if we're racing around and we're, you know, we don't have food, healthy food that's available, you kind of say, oh, you know, I, I'm just gonna, you know, yeah, whatever,
1: quick, quick, quickest <laughs> yeah. fix, whatever we can reach for, yeah, you
0: know? and then then you feel bad, and then those yeah. feelings of you know guilt and shame lead to to more like self-punishment.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and it just becomes a vicious cycle. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. And the thing about preparing foods and making the time for that, you know, making the time to shop for good food, you know, going the extra mile or paying the extra dollar or five or 10 at Whole Foods, you know, whatever for organic, going to the farmer's market. You know, these things definitely take effort, but, you know, they not only are physically good for us, but I believe like mentally, spiritually, and emotionally, like making that effort, like we're putting out to the universe, we're worth that effort, you know, like, we're worth putting that time and attention in, cutting the vegetables, you know, preparing actually a yummy salad. I mean, we are building into our consciousness that we are worthy of that, Mm -hmm. and I think we need that message because so much of the time, we do put ourselves last, you know, and we are, you know, on the run, not really properly taking care of ourselves, and I always say, you know, would you, you know, would you have your daughter, your sweet baby daughter, skip meals? Would you be like, look, we're going to skip meals. We might lose some, you know, you might lose some weight. We'll eat dinner only. You know, like, no, you'd never do that for your, your sweet daughter, you know. So why are you doing it to yourself? You know, would you say we're just going to stop at whatever corner store we can stop at so you can get your meal? No, you take the time for your kids. You know, it's really important that we do that for ourselves for sure. Yeah, that,
0: that's a great point. Uh, so w- women with PCOS, we ha- we're 60% more likely to have mood-related disorders, and one of those is anxiety. And so you talk here about the racing mind, and that overeaters are overthinkers, and I think a lot of us fall into that a uh, category, that our minds, as you, you say here in your book, our minds race from one thought to another and never seems to stop. Sometimes we obsess on one thing and then think it to death and we worry. I, I just, in my newsletter a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how women with PCOS are great warriors
1: <laughs> and yes.
0: worry so much. And tell us how um, eating, overeating ties into overthinker thinking.
1: Yeah, such a big connection. You know, we eat so much of the time we're reaching for carbs you know and that serotonin effect just to settle ourselves down to bring some common peace because I really do think emotional eaters are you know we tend to be more anxiety driven and more fearful than your average person and that does drive our eating so much of the time I, I always say it's like the Norton antivirus running in the back of your computer you know it's like you don't totally you're not always aware of those thoughts you know they're just it's just that rant in the the back of our head about all the awful things that could happen, you know, like, or all the things we're afraid of. And I relate to it. I mean, I'm, I've been such a, um, you know, like fearful person and fear has driven me, you know, and I still get afraid very easily, but it's more about just sort of managing that and having tools to try to ha- settle that down. But um, yeah, it's really important that we have ways to deal with those that racing mind and I do like I um, and I you know I recommend to my clients you know that they are writing is a great thing to do for a racing mind you know like I have a word doc on my computer that literally I call it musings and I literally just anytime I'm in that worry mode because it can come upon you so easily like just something Grabs you, and then all of a sudden you're just—I call it awfulizing. We're just imagining the worst case scenario, and so I jot that stuff down, and I, or I bang it out. Really, is what I do on my computer. So I just bang out like a paragraph or so of 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 those thoughts, because when they're in our minds, you know, thoughts held in mind produce after their kind. And so when we hold them in our minds and we don't share them, we don't talk about them, we don't write about them, and I also say pray about them, you know, they will take hold of us and run our lives. They'll, they'll, they'll direct our actions. Like we won't do things we want to do simply because we're thinking of the worst-case scenario of what might happen. You know, we, we also – um, you know, don't, we we don't say no to things because we're so worried about what, again, the people pleasing, what people think of us, so, you know, just sort of um, having a place to put all that worry, and when you put it on paper, I'd say paper, but it's on my computer, but, you know, either way, uh, when you do that, it just gets you out of your, it gets you out of your head, it gets those thoughts, it puts them somewhere, and then you also get perspective, and you can see, oh, wow, like, Gee, I'm actually going to die if I go to this party tonight. Like, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, like like for some reason like all my friends are going to hate me if I, you know, if I like cancel that appointment or whatever. Like we just we give ourselves such a hard time. So, I find that to be super important, you know, the writing, but also you know, my number one go-to is meditation. You know, meditation is such an important tool for settling down our minds. And I love it because people always say, oh, Trish, I can't meditate. My mind is too busy, you know? And I'm like, well, that's kind of the point, you know? <laughs> like, like, that's why we meditate. And I always just reassure people, like, what if your mind just went from 100,000 miles an hour to 50,000 miles an hour? Would that be an improvement, you know? Like, just let's call it that. Like, people are always looking for the Zen mind where they like nothing happens and that's not realistic like it's meditation is so powerful and sometimes I'll be thinking the whole time I, I meditate for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes before dinner and you know those 20 minutes I might get 18 minutes of thinking 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 and then two minutes of just like, I I probably exhaust myself, and then two minutes of just peacefulness, (laughs) I'll take those two minutes, you know, and so, it's so much of the time, I find that people don't put the time into meditate, because they judge their meditation, and they think they're doing it wrong, you know, and that's, like, the number one reason people don't do it, is they have this expectation of perfection, and there's no such thing, I just, I call it doing the time, I do the time, and I don't judge it, like, whatever happens, happens, but it does pay off really well, in terms of Am I feeling more calm and peaceful and especially making better choices in the kitchen? And that's why I always meditate before dinner because, you know, at the end of the day when you're stressed out and you're, you know, you've been driving the kids everywhere and and you run in, you go into the house and you run to the kitchen, of course you're going to be nibbling and munching on things that are snacky because you're trying to come down from the spin, you know, that spin Mm -hmm. of the day. Um, if you bypass the kitchen, go straight to your room, and even if you don't meditate, if you lie down with some quiet music and a candle for 10 minutes, boy, oh, boy, you're going to, like, put, come down from that spin in a much healthier way, and then you got a fighting chance when you go to the kitchen. Then it's not just, like, reaching for anything. You, you're, you have more equilibrium. You're, like, you, you have your head about you, and you're
0: not reacting to that stress. But mm, that, that's really great advice. I know I feel like, gosh, I don't have 20 minutes, but I could take five, minutes, 10 minutes. Totally, uh, to To just center myself. um, Yeah,
1: and there's a, there's a cool app too, Insight Timer, which is, um, I use, um, and some people like to do guided meditations, and again, you don't, yeah, five minutes, that's a huge improvement to what's going on now, so, so Insight Timer has guided meditations that people can do um, it's Insight, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, and it's great. I use it just for my little beginning and end of my meditation. Mm-hmm. It gives me a little gong, which kind of makes it more special. And it's sort of like having a great, you know, if you have a fancy water bottle, it makes you want to drink water more. <laughs> so it's like when you have a cool app, it sort of makes meditation a little more special.
0: Yeah, and I think it takes the fear out of it um, as well. I, you know, that's one of the reasons I like to go to exercise class, because I like somebody telling me what to do. Um, yeah. It takes all of that um, effort out of the equation that I have to figure out, and it's the same yeah. with those apps. And I love your suggestion about having a file on your computer. I guess I, I don't like the idea of journaling, like writing in a journal, um, unless I you know I do a gratitude journal. But I'm not going to sit and write my feelings in a journal. But I would do that on my computer, and I I don't know why I've never thought about that. Um, and I think that it's so important. For for women to process their feelings, and I know that that was one of the reasons that I um, overate in my, you know, young adulthood because I was stuffing those feelings, numbing them out. And there's a great little excerpt from your book that I'd love to read um, about that. Great. You say emotional eaters are typically afraid of feelings. When we don't have food in our belly, we tend to be more sensitive and more aware of what's going on inside. We're more aware of sadness, loneliness, fear, anger, dread, and other hard-to-manage feelings, even happy, joyful feelings, which strangely are sometimes harder to face than the dark ones. they can be overwhelming, especially when we don't feel worthy of feeling good. Mm. Wow. You know, I, I never really thought about that, but I think you're you're when there you know, I talk about in my book like this deservability aspect of healing PCOS, we have to feel like we are worthy and deserving of of health and happiness. And I think that's what you're getting at here too.
1: No question. And the thing is, it's kind of a funny catch twenty two. It's like do you feel worthy and then you do it? Or do you do it and then you feel worthy? It's like the chicken and the egg. And it's, it's both, you know, if you start taking the action, even if you don't believe you're worthy, you'll start feeling more worthy. It's kind of like, going to that exercise class, right? Like, nobody wants to, I never want to go to exercise class, but when I go, I ended up feeling so good that next day I'm like, I want to do that. That felt really good. And so it's like, if you take the action, like bring the body, the mind will follow. And that's so much of the truth about worthiness is if you just take the action, if you do, you know, uh, actions of self-worth, you will develop self-worth, you know? And so I think that's really important. And then, you know, but it does come down to that like again how like what do I deserve like I deserve good treatment you know and if you don't believe it and you act like it you will come to believe it
0: yeah and I think that that's how I ended up sort of breaking the cycle for myself and I know everybody has a different path but I got to the point where those messages in my head were more positive than negative you know I wasn't Gosh, I read, I used to read Cosmo and Glamour and comparing myself. You know, I, I was great at comparing myself to everybody else. When I stopped doing that, um, I, I really shifted, as you talk about in your book, your consciousness. And, and you say that, um, you know, you get to a point where the actions kind of in your old lower consciousness, actions such as eating that entire jar of peanut butter, just don't fit in with this new level of consciousness anymore so you no longer feel compelled to do it in fact you just can't do it anymore right you love yourself enough that you don't want to abuse your body in that way anymore absolutely
1: it's so so important you know and it's a progressive thing you know do you do a lot of good things you do a few good things for yourself you start to feel better and then doing bad things for yourself don't feel good anymore When when we just abuse ourselves all the time and don't take care of ourselves eh? what's a little more you know but once you start on that, that road of healing, um, it gets more and more uncomfortable to hurt ourselves.
0: You know, I think that a lot of women with PCOS are caught in that fear-based, lack-based thinking. And we have to shift to a more abundant look, outlook on life. Um, and you, you talk about this in your book, and you have... Um, a great list of ways to sort of raise that consciousness and and kind of move into that place of abundance and and abundant thinking and I think that a lot of these tactics will really move the needle for a lot of women and I would love for you to share some of them with us
1: I'd be so happy, and I know how it is. When you're sick and you don't feel good, it's so easy to just spiral into that negative mindset. You know, you just sort of feel like, gosh, I've tried everything, nothing's working, and it's just, you know, that kind of self-pity starts to seep in, you know, and we feel bad for ourselves, and we want other people to know how bad we feel, but <laughs> it, just, it just spirals out of control, and um, something that my mentor told me a long time ago about self-pity, which I hate. I even hate that word because it's so it's like I'm not in self-pity like, <laughs> like I, it's the last thing I want to claim but he he used to say yeah self-pity is like quicksand it's quicksand you wiggle your little toe in it and it grabs you and it sucks you all the way to hell you know and so, I
0: think, so true I mean I think of uh, yeah I guess I don't frame it as self-pity I sort of frame it as being a victim yeah like, and like, it is very similar uh, like why me why did this have to happen to me? It really takes the power out of out of the situation.
1: Yeah, it's really incredible. And um, I mean, it happens for emotional eaters too. Like, why do I have to deal with this? Why do I have to, you know, make salads? Like, well, why do I have to meditate? Why do I have to do these things? And it's sort of like other, like we always compare our insides with other people's outsides, right? And it's like, they don't have to do that. Why do I have to do that? And it's, it's like, we all have something, you know, it's, we all have something to deal with. It's like, all God's children got problems, you know, and, and, and that's how we grow. That's how, that's what refines us into the people, you know, we're meant to be. So it's, I don't think there's any way of escaping something, you know, and unfortunately some people have lots of things and then they have more growth, you know?
0: And honestly, Tricia, like, I I, I feel like that it was those difficult times that led us to do the work that we do in this world. Right. And I don't, I don't regret it at all. No
1: question. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. It's like, and, and there's, there's a, there's a saying uh, that I love, which is if you sat in a circle, like around a table with a whole bunch of other people who have problems and you all put your problems in the middle of the table, nobody would take somebody else's problems back. Like everybody would grab their own so it's like they're they're uniquely you know uniquely ours and we have you know god's given us the right tools to deal with them so but back to your question about consciousness you know it's really really Um, there's so many simple things we can do to up level and get out of that self, you know, victimizing thinking and, um, they're simple little things and the more we do them, the better. So one of the things I love and I do this every day is read spiritual literature, you know, up something up, it doesn't have to be spiritual and I don't mean religious, um, necessarily either. I just mean something that's uplifting and motivational and just about, goodness of life, you know, and there's, there's amazing things out there, you know, if you, if somebody is, leans religious, they, I'm sure they've, there are magazines and things that, that can inspire them, but there's so many cool things out there that just have inspirational stories, overcoming stories, you know, and things that um, I just find so helpful, and it's like, we have to treat our mind, like, our minds need to be treated, because they do veer negative, you know, they just, you know, I think all human brains veer negative. It's just so easy. And so we have to work. I have to work to keep my mind positive. And so starting the day with some spiritual reading and and something that just gives me a positive message. I like little daily readers, you know, because I don't want to like, you know, just I'm busy. I I, I need some quick, you know, quick inspiration. But I think that's super helpful.
0: Um, Tell me what you're reading now.
1: Okay. So the things I love my fa- all time favorite book is from Emmett Fox and he's a, he's a metaphysician. So he talks about, um, sort of the metaphysical ideas in the Bible, but he's really good about, um, it's, his book is called around the year with Emmett Fox. He's passed now, but at one time he had the largest, largest congregation in, in the U S in New York city back in the twenties of last, last century. But, um, Uh, Anyways, but his, he just sort of teaches positive ideas about God, you know, and I find that a lot of people have negative ideas about God. I mean, you know, sometimes religious can, religion can deliver some harsh ideas, you know, that maybe are misinterpreted. So he just sort of like packs a punch every day. I also love the daily word. Um, There's a, 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 um, organization called Unity um, School of Christianity, and it, again, it's more metaphysical rather than religious, but um, they have a little reader called the Daily Word, which has a positive, me- it's a little pocket thing you can order, or you can get daily messages by email, but it's just a really positive message that I love, and there's other daily readers, and, and I read, like, I read some positive messages about money, you know, talking about lack of, lack of, you know mentality Um, I every day I read affirmations about how abundant the world is and how much money is available you know I mean I, I always love to say like God's got lots of money you know and he and he wants it for me so because we can get into negative thinking about money and finances as well so I read some positive messages about this anything that can remind me that there's abundance
0: so I'm reading um, right now in the mornings. I'm almost done with it. It's uh, a daily reader like, like you were suggesting by Annie Downs. It's called 100 Days to Brave. Nice. And, um, courage is one of those um, things that sort of elevate you out of your emotional eating that you talk about in your book. So I think yes. that, that would be a good resource if um, somebody's looking for something. I love that yeah. who is the author again? Annie Downs
1: okay, that mm-hmm. sounds yeah, there's so many incredible books out there that are so positive, but it's like what are we feeding our minds? You know it's like what do we feed our bodies? We know we need nutritional food in order to have our bodies work properly, and I need nutritional you know fodder for my head in order for my head to work properly so um a few other things um from my consciousness prescription um are things that are just like. Um, staying away from gossip, you know, it's super easy to get negative and, and go- I, you know, I've, I've gossiped with the best of them, <laughs> you know, like it feels so good in the moment to talk about somebody else or, you know, point out somebody else's faults. But I really try not to do that anymore because it, it, it backfires on me. Like it ends up bringing me down in consciousness. You know, I, again, it's that quick hit sort of like eating chocolate, you know, feels good in the moment, but not so much later, (laughs) so um, gossiping is one of those things, news is another thing, like, I really stay away from news, and I am, unfortunately, very ill-informed these days, but but I also am happier, <laughs> so I don't get involved in the news much. You know, I, I have one program a week that I watch, um, you know, that sort of gives me the news of the week, and I feel like that's, you know, I want to be an informed citizen, but I really don't want the negativity in my life. I don't need to watch the, you know, uh, 9 or 10 or 11 o'clock news that tells me all about all the different people who were murdered in my city. Like, it's just nothing useful comes from that.
0: So. Yeah, and I think... Um, so- Social media, too, is if you're you're using social media for the news, um, that can be kind of toxic as well.
1: So much so, you know, and just focusing, you know, what we think about grows. So what are we focusing on? And that's just really, really important to always come back to because we can lapse, you know, we can be doing good for a while and then lapse. So that's super important. Like you talked about the gratitude list. That is so, so important to just, you know, focus on the good things that are happening. There's so many good things that are happening in the world, you know, and so many things to to, you know, in our lives that we can focus on that are good. You know, we tend to, um, I do a a weekly call with my program. Um, uh, People jump on a weekly call from all around the world. And I always say, let's focus, like, I want to hear from two, from you about two things that are going well, because everybody wants to jump on and tell them what they're, tell me what they're not doing right. You know, it's like, no, let's not focus on that. Let's focus on what went well. So I think that is so, so important. So that gratitude is, absolutely amazing. And then, you know, the, the other thing I will just say is that when you mentioned social media, you know, that is such a trap sometimes for that self-pity, you know, is to look at how great everybody else's lives are. And of course, everybody's posting their best photos on Facebook, you know, and it's so easy to get into that that mentality of wow, like everybody's got so many good things going on but me. <laughs> you know, like everybody looks so good but me, you know, and so just watch your thoughts. If you're on Facebook, I mean I love Facebook, but if you're on there, you know, think about, you know, be be conscious. And again, this is back to the consciousness. Be conscious of what you're thinking. You know, and if you're spiraling negative, maybe take a little break from Facebook, you know, or just focus on, you know, or I also find if I'm getting into that thinking, if I start commenting on people's liking posts and commenting on posts, um, it brings me out of it. Cause then I'm contributing that I'm like in, like I'm celebrating people and that creates good juju. Ooh, I that.
0: me. That's yeah. A
1: good helps a lot.
0: Uh, so we talked about, you know, really honestly just scratch the surface of what's in your book. Um, there, there's just so much to help with healing And you mentioned a program. I'm kind of curious about that, and if people are, you know, interested in diving deeper into this issue, you know, how can they work with you?
1: Yeah, um, I have a program that is so powerful, and people really seem to get a lot of benefit from it. It's called Ten Weeks to Freedom from Emotional Eating. And it is a 10, it's people 12 weeks to go through the program. But there are modules every week that teach people my system and gives them homework assignments and a lot of, you know, ways to engage. I have a private Facebook group for that as well. And then we get on a call every week. As I mentioned, um, people around the globe who – know what it's like to be powerless over a cookie you know there's nothing like it community is so important by the way for emotional eaters just as it is with pcos you know it's like you got to be with your tribe um and people don't always understand like why we would eat things when we know better you know and that's that's sort of like that's the quintessential question like i have all this health information like i may even be a health coach like why am i why am I destroying myself when I know better, you know, and that's really the gap that I that I help people with is how to follow through on what they know. And so when you're in community with other people who have that strange gap, um, it's so heartwarming. And, and so that's a really important part of the program as well. But it does, it it teaches people my system, they implement it, they get results from it. Uh, the weight loss is, is um, I don't focus on weight loss, but it's definitely a byproduct of people.
0: Oh, that's practicing. exactly what I say. It's a byproduct of getting your body. Body, you know, in mind, yeah. spirit back into balance. Yeah. I love totally. that approach. And uh, we will be sure to post a link to that program in the show notes as well. Great. Thank you. Yeah. You know, Tricia, I'm so glad it's taken, it's taken me too long to have <laughs> you on the show and and I'm so glad that you came on. I feel like there's just so much we could still talk about and you'll have to come back and and visit with us again soon. I would love to. It'd be
1: such a pleasure. And again, thank you for all the, the people that you serve in the world. It's really, your book is amazing and you are amazing. So thank you. Oh,
0: well, thank you. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad you came on and, and thank you everyone for listening. I look forward to being with you again very soon. Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up our podcast today. please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too and don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter just enter your email at pcusdiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast this is amy Medling, wishing you good health bye-bye